welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 274. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. How you doing? It is late April. April is flying by. The year is flying by. All the excitement and joy of pandemics and shootings and train wrecks and general unhappiness and dead princes of monarchies and things. Uh, But there's good things too. You know, there's Atari. That's a good thing. There's the new circus convoy from Gary Kitchen and David Crane over there at Audacity Games. I got my copy. If you haven't watched it yet, there's a video of my first time playing Circus Convoy uh, up over at the Patreon page, but it is a public video. You don't have to be a Patreon supporter to see it if you're so inclined. Although, of course, I hope you'll consider it becoming a supporter, but you know anyone can watch. It's a little video of me literally opening the game for the first time and putting it in the uh, VCS and trying it out. It looks fun. I probably infuriated some of you because I had the game for several days before I even took it out of the box and made that video. It may upset you further to tell you that it's been a few days since I recorded that video now, and I hate to say this, but I haven't touched it since. And not because I didn't like it, I was very intrigued. It's a gorgeous looking game. I do want to play it some more. It's definitely a game where uh, you have to think about a little bit, have to figure out a little bit about the landscape that you're in, and some of the tricks to do what you need to do to make the game progress. I just have not, you know, life being what it is, I just haven't had time to sit down and do that. But I will. And I, I may keep you updated on my progress. I wouldn't be surprised if someday Circus Convoy isn't a featured game for an episode of Atari Bytes. But, uh, you know, we'll get there eventually. Not a lot of feedback this week. I did hear from Carl, uh, our fan in New Zealand. Hi, Carl. He reacted, I believe, to the post announcing that the last episode was up. He wrote, your work is great. Sorry about the cat. Cheers from New Zealand. Thank you for the the compliment and support, Carl. You guys may know if you listened last week, our cat of 18 years, Sneezer, I had to uh, had to be put down. There were too many health issues to uh, keep to prolong her life. Uh, the appropriate thing to do at the time, but that doesn't make it any less sad. I guess the only upside is my CX40 joysticks are safe now. As I mentioned, she had a uh, she was not a big chewer necessarily of things, but for some reason she really liked to chew on those joysticks. So I, I guess that's something anyway. Thank you for the for the uh, feedback, Carl. We heard from Rob Turner. Hi, Rob. He starts. Hi, Bill. I recently discovered your podcast on Spotify and have enjoyed listening to episodes from your archive relating to various Atari cartridges I own or always craved when I was a kid. However, while listening to your latest Bermuda Triangle episode, your remarks concerning Elon Musk and his monkey brain experiment had me spitting out my tea with laughter. Keep up the good work. As an Englishman, I need to cut down on my tea intake anyway. Best wishes, Rob. Well, I'm sorry about the tea, Rob, thanks for listening to the show. Glad you liked it. If you can't pick on eccentric rich people, who can you pick on? And so far, Elon Musk hasn't offered to sponsor the show, so I'm sure he'll continue to be a target of mine for many, many, many episodes to come. So uh, thanks again, Rob. I also heard from this guy. Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? What's 
bunch of stuff. Jason had a lot to say this week. I will try to summarize a little bit because some of this doesn't really work unless you read the uh, back and forth between us. But I will give you the gist of what he said. He wrote, Thanks once again for another classic episode. The Radio Hall of Fame will be sending their representatives to the studio to enshrine the episode in a gold capsule to preserve it for future generations. The Bermuda Triangle cartridge is undoubtedly experiencing a renaissance of sorts, after such a review, I imagine its price on eBay went from 99 cents to a full dollar. However, it wasn't all wine and roses. Uh-oh. Here we go. That ridiculous Bermuda Shorts song. Oh, wait, I'm not sure which one you mean, Jason. Oh, do you mean this one? Bermuda, Bermuda. Bermuda Shorts. Bermuda, Bermuda. Bermuda Shorts. Bermuda, Bermuda. Bermuda Shorts. Bermuda, Bermuda. Bermuda Shorts. Bermuda, Bermuda. The song was literally painful to anyone, Jason writes, who happens to have ears. Oh, you mean because of this part? I always thought the Delroys and doo-wop music, Jason says, sucked. But that was far worse than anything I have ever heard before. Way to call out a whole genre of music there, Jason. And I really appreciate you playing it to completion. I would rather get a colonoscopy while awake before I hear that mess ever again. As someone staring down the uh, barrel, as it were, of a colonoscopy, I really don't want to talk about that right now. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of other things I don't want to talk about, Jason wrote, I will now gratuitously mention Trump in order to balance the scales. Now, let's get to the rest of Jason's corner. I liked how you've uh, sort of named your own segment of the show, Jason. Uh, he says, the Mario Maker game that was mentioned by another listener is for the new Atari console, which is basically a home computer in the shape of a game console. Therefore, it really had nothing to do with the Atari 2600, which couldn't conceivably run anything like it. Oh, and then he starts critiquing uh, the production value of my show. I assume you also have a dog? I do. His, her name is Bug, and I mention her a lot on the show. I could hear dogs like sounds during the recording, if you say so, Jason. I conjured in the th oh sorry in the theater of the mind I conjured up a dog. Please share with us the name and breed of this dog. Well, I just did. Her name is Bug. I said that. Uh, she is a cross between a Boston Terrier and a pug, and it's actually a you know a a creation that's literally called the Bug. And in a total absence of creativity. We decided just to name her Bug. Jason says the cameo from Henry was comforting, since he does balance the show. Sorry for the loss of your cat. Thank you, Jason. And finally, it was nice to see your modest gaming rig in the extra video. I assume you're meaning the uh, Circus Convoy video. And yeah, you probably did get a, a shot of uh, my setup, as it were, which is really just a, a cheapo TV stand with uh, the Intellivision and the uh, Atari and what else is over there? A Nintendo 64. The 7800 is over there. Don't be jealous, but there's a PlayStation 2 over there. So, yeah, that's my, my game setup, as it were. Jason says he was expecting, imagining something more grandiose, but there's a, that's only because your show is epic. See, Jason, now I think you're uh, messing with me a little bit. Uh, he says, I think Jason's Corner, again, you're naming your own segment, Jason. 
I think Jason's Corner overall is the best part of the show, and I hope to hear more of it in the future. I have a feeling that you will, Jason. I responded to him at that point, something to the effect of that he seemed to be making pronouncements from on high, uh, adorned in silken robes, uh, to which he responded, Well, I guess the Jewish last name sort of creates the aura of a biblical prophet. I think my pronouncements my pronouncements are an exciting new element to the show. Uh, it, it, tell us what you really think, Jason. It keeps everyone achieving and holds up a standard that our Atari forefathers have etched in the memory of every child who experienced Pong and Video Cube. Doo-wop doesn't suck because it's antiquated. It sucks because it takes every bad, everything bad about the entire planet and creates a literal monolith of misery that could easily have destroyed the world that it fails to entertain. Man, I don't know how you can be miserable listening to this. I want this to girls and begin to smile. Short eyes when we're kind of wild. And then someone yell, what can it be? And all the chicks start whistling at me. I said, Yet doo-wop remains unloved and uncherished and literally the only reason Donald Trump lost. You know, Jason, I think doo-wop music might have been the only thing Donald Trump didn't blame. If you never tie another monstrous doo-wop slab of monkey gonads to an Atari podcast, uh, I'm totally putting that on a t-shirt. A monstrous doo-wop slab of monkey gonads. Atari Bites. Uh, So he says if I don't do that, he certainly would not complain. Meanwhile, Retron 77, since it's apparently Jason's goal to mention Retron 77, along with Trump in every outreach, will eventually replace your dying console and you will only have me to thank. At the risk of unraveling the very fibers that hold the universe together, doo-wop was voted less enjoyable than chewing on aluminum foil and gargling with live bees. Uh, And then our back and forth sort of moved more to the uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump end of things. And uh, as some have pointed out, perhaps we don't need to get into that. We don't want to get too political here. So uh, thanks, Jason. And this has been... Question! What does Jason say? Of course, anyone out there who would like to give feedback to the show, I'm always looking forward to it. And you guys probably already know how to contact me. But if you don't, keep listening, and I will tell you at the end of the show. Keep listening to the end of the show anyway, because you never know what I might say in that last segment. Maybe I'll give away a million dollars. I'm not going to give away a million dollars. All right, well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Laser Gates from, here's why I mispronounced this name, E-Magic, or possibly I-Magic. I think what I need is, uh, oh, the game came out in 1983, by the way. I think what I need is for one of you who actually knows how to pronounce this, uh, the name of this company, E-Magic or I-Magic, is to actually do it. Make a little, a little uh, MP3 of yourself, very clearly enunciating how to pronounce the name of that company, and then, what I'll, and then send it to me. Email it to me at uh, ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. And what I'll do then is whenever I have an eMagic or iMagic game, when I get to the part where I say the name of the company, I'll just drop in your uh, pronunciation. And then we'll never have this problem again, and life will be wonderful, and butterflies will land in our hair, And it'll freak us out because, seriously, there's a bug in your hair. But, you know, life will still be good. Despite having a very generic name, LaserGates, I will spoil things now by saying that I really kind of like this game. Despite the fact that they step on my bit 
40 years before I thought of it by giving us a little story, a little backstory for the game, a little interpretation of what's going on. And here's what they said in the, uh, the official game instructions. The thousand galaxies quake at the news. The cryptic computer. Yeah, I don't like that. If I was writing this story, I wouldn't call it the cryptic computer. That's kind of lame. Anyway, the galactic defense synthesizer. All right. It was the 80s, I guess. Which has maintained peace for the five centuries since the wars on Zevon. Would that be Warren Zevon? And why are we at war with Warren Zevon? What'd he ever do to anybody? We all like that Werewolves of London song. Anyway, so the cryptic computer has malfunctioned! Exclamation point. Four fail-safe detonators inside the computer will now initiate universal self-destruct. The governors of Enderby order the Dante dart into action. Only it can spiral down through the nearly impenetrable defenses of the computer in order to reach and destroy the detonators. Force fields, dense pack columns, radar mortars, rock munchers, and other obstacles make the one harrowing, make this one harrowing, harrow, harrowing mission. Chances for success may seem slim, but consider the alternative. There are a crap ton of exclamation points in that story. That's how you know this is serious. Navigate the Dante Dart through the caverns of the cryptic computer, destroy radar mortars, rock munchers, homing missiles, and bite bats. Blast your way through bite bats. I, that should be like the mascot for Atari Bites, right? I, I totally see it. Little plush toys, the bite bats, and maybe t-shirts with cute little cartoon bats on them and stuff. That'd be awesome. Wonder if eMagic would sue me. Also among the objectives, blast your way through dense pack columns. Avoid colliding with the jagged walls of the computer. Reach and destroy each of the four fail-safe detonators inside the computer. Laser Gates is a one-player game. I guess because sometimes when you're a hero, you have to go solo. I feel like this concept of, you know, the massive computer literally built into the landscape that turns evil is a very 60s, 70s, 80s sci-fi thing. I think Doctor Who did this a fair amount. Certainly other movies and TV shows did. I'm totally not surprised that eMagic, or iMagic, came up with a game with this concept. So it's very familiar to sci-fi fans. I feel like you couldn't make the same kind of sci-fi story today with, you know, cell phones. Oh no, my Best Fiends app, that's a game, right, has gone rogue. Better, you know, muster the uh, Dante darts and attack my iPhone. Yeah, see, it just... Here, let me take it out of my pocket. Or, no. Here, let me put it in my pocket. Hooray! We're saved. It just, it wouldn't work. Alright, so, mission control. To play, use the left joystick controller. To begin the action, press the red button. To give you a handy little chart. Can everyone see in the back? Stop playing Best Fiends. I should totally be getting money from the Best Fiends game app. If you guys are listening, send me a check. So... On the screen, what you're going to see is the Dante Dart, that's your ship, the computer walls, don't touch, the homing missile, which is a little red thing, the dense pack column, which is kind of this column that extends from the top of this cavern to the floor. I think that's the thing you have to shoot through periodically in the game to, to get through. Otherwise, you get dinged for it. It's a little bit like shooting through, what is it, the little red column thing in Yar's Revenge. I get, even though they're totally different games, and there's a lot, there's probably more that's dissimilar than is similar, I get a Yars Revenge vibe off of this game. Again, not a perfect comparison, probably better comparisons out there, but that's the vibe I get. 
To pilot the Dante Dart, lean the joystick in the desired direction. The Dante Dart faces... Oh, on the screen you also see a force field and an energy pod. Uh, to pilot the Dante Dart, lean the joystick in the desired direction. The Dante faces left or right at your command. Leaning left on the joystick temporarily delays, but cannot prevent moving deeper into the computer. Take the offensive. Exclamation point. They must add some exclamation points left over. To fire Dante Dart... Should be an ex uh, apostrophe S there. To fire Dante Dart's laser, press the red button. For automatic firing, press and hold the red button. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I guess I should read the instructions before I play. Your instrument panel. Keep track of the instrument panel at the bottom of the screen. Energy. The Dante Dart consumes energy at a regular pace. Laser firing collisions do not affect energy reserves. The energy pod. To replenish energy reserves, touch energy pods as they appear along the computer passageway. Do not fire at energy pods. You may not survive until another appears. Shields protect the Dante Dart. With each collision, the shield indicator on the instrument panel grows shorter. You begin with 24 shield units. You lose one unit per uh, hitting the computer wall or shooting uh, a shot from the rock muncher or radar mortar, bite bat, a rock muncher, homing missile, radar cannon, dense pack column. Oh, okay. These last few things, force field, hit the force field, hit a detonator, those kinds of things, you're going to lose six units. When the shield indicator flashes red, another collision will destroy the Dante Dart. Gain six shield reserve units for every 10,000 points you score. D-Time! Indicates the amount of time the Dante Dart has to reach the next detonator before it explodes. When a detonator is destroyed, D-Time is reset to show how long the Dante has to reach the next detonator. Oh, by the way, parenthetically, no, I don't know why it's called the Dante Dart. Force fields. Three kinds of force fields appear throughout the computer. Dante Dart, laser shot, can't, cannot affect a force field. Flashing force fields flash on and off at regular intervals, intervals, hence the name, I suppose, flashing force fields. Time your approach, cross when the force field is off. Flexing force fields open and close with a vertical crunching motion, crushing motion. Although crunching motion would be cool too. Maneuver past when the force field opening is widest. Fixed force fields have a small gap that remains the same size, but move up and down. Pilot the Dante Dart through this gap. Gray dense pack columns of varying width appear along the dark computer passage. Blast your way through with Dante Dart laser shots. To pierce a column, place shots in the same location. Make the passage wide enough or the Dart will co collide with the column and lose precious shield reserves. Radar mortars appear along the top and bottom of the computer passage. Avoid mortar fire. Demolish radar mortars with laser fire. Rock munchers, homing missiles, and bite bats. See? Bite bats. It's growing on you, isn't it? You totally want Atari bite bats on a t-shirt. Uh, fly at you without warning. Blast them before they batter the Dante Dart. Failsafe detonators. Detonators are large and gray and have the numbers 6507 etched on the side. No, I don't know why. Destroy each failsafe detonator with Dante Dart laser fire. In our, I feel like some uh, writer there at eMagic, or iMagic, had a lot of fun one day coming up with random names for things in games, and then they just kind of threw some of them in here. Uh, it'd be cool if we called something the Dante Dart. No, I don't know why. Or the Rock Muncher. Let's have a game with a Rock Muncher in it. What's a Rock Muncher? I don't know. You know, stuff like that. Or Bite Bats. Bite, B-Y-T-E, kind of like Computer Bite, you know, it's kind of funny. We should use those sometime. And then somebody programmed this game, and they're like, cool, we can use up all these extra names. Booby traps. Huh, <laughs> booby. Beware of booby-trapped detonator pins on detonators. 
the Dante Dart loses shield reserves for each booby-trapped pin it strikes. Strike the same booby-trapped pin twice and the Dante Dart will be destroyed. The position of booby-trapped pins changes randomly from game to game. Scoring. Scores range anywhere from 115 points for destroying a rock mor a radar mortar up to the 6,507 points for destroying a detonator. And that is how you play the hell is this game called? Laser Gates. That is how you play Laser Gates from, you know, that company. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Okay, I may have cracked the, uh, the code of why your ship is called the Dante, whatever it's called, the Dante Dart. Okay, maybe not, but it could be because of Dante Alighieri, baptized Durante di Alighiero degli Alighieri, often referred to as simply as Dante, an Italian poet, writer, and philosopher who lived circa 1265 to 1321. His Divine Comedy, originally called Commedia, and later christened Divina by Giovanni Boccaccio, is widely considered the most important poem of the Middle Ages and the greatest literary work in the Italian language. Most of Dante's literary work was composed after his exile in 1301. La Vita Nuova is the only major work that predates it, is, which is a collection of lyric poems, sometimes sonnets and songs. No, I don't know why he was exiled. The Divine Comedy is another work which describes Dante's journey through hell, inferno, purgatory, purgatorio, and paradise, paradiso. He is first guided by the Roman poet Virgil and then by Beatrice. Of the books, Purgatorio is arguably the most lyrical of the three, referring to more contemporary poets and artists than Inferno. I guess a journey through hell is kind of like fighting a evil supercomputer. So maybe that's why you call it the Dante Dart? Parenthetically, I could totally see an Atari game based on the Divine Comedy. Audacity Games, or any of you homebrewers, get on that. I imagine that's certainly public domain. So go for it. Uh, that was not a, a legal opinion, by the way. That was just me speaking off the top of my head. So short of that, I don't know why your ship is called the Dante Dart. Perhaps we will not dwell on that. Retrogamesreview.co.uk says that the scrolling in the game is very smooth with a rock-solid frame rate. And while the confined auto-scrolling stages are reminiscent of Scramble, 1981 arcades, the ability to turn around and shoot to the left harkens back to Defender 1981 arcades. Also a good comparison. The action never feels cheap, and the perfect collision detection ensures each hit you take is as a result of your own mistakes. The controls are ultra-responsive and moving swiftly and effectively around the screen as a breeze. Wide range of enemies and hazards. Learning their patterns is a big part of the enjoyment. What's neat is that each has their own sound effects, so experts can recognize and plan attacks immediately. 
The game is very short, with only four stages, but replayability is greatly enhanced by the addition of randomly generated levels and enemies. Iplayallthegames.wordpress.com, blog called I Play All the Games, Somebody Should Send Help, wrote about Laser Gates that the shooter was originally developed by Venture Vision, but when they went bankrupt, the lead developer brought the unfinished game to eMagic. Let's see if too many cooks spoiled the broth this time. The answer seems to be no. They described the little story about the uh, the governors of Enderby and so forth and say that this gets me really invested in the game, a bunch of stuff I never heard of, and a story that doesn't make any sense. Laser Gates is very straightforward, literally. You fly to the left or right, mainly dodge, you guessed it, Laser Gates. The game is really neat. No shooter's perfect without annoying shield and energy meters. The game has one thing going for it, it's really trippy. Uh, I agree, I dig the trippy. Flashy colors, colorful gates, weird noises. The rest, though, is subpar. There's no level of variety. It's the same brown, wavy wall over and over again. Maybe if there's more space on screen, they could have gotten creative, but no. They only give the game 3 out of 10. Woodrain Wonderland seemed to agree that Laser Gates loses points for lack of variety. Nothing structurally wrong with it. Reasonably entertaining Vanguard-style scrolling shooter with moderately challenging obstacles and serviceable sounds and graphics. But there's no end game. Even a change in screen color would have worked wonders to interrupt the monotony. The titular Gates are actually the easiest obstacles of all those in the game. It only takes a couple of plays to figure out their timing and avoid them. Harder are the tiny heat-seeking missiles, bats, and rock munchers, but the radar mortars are stationary and easy to pick off. The actual gameplay area only takes up a third of the screen. The rest is consumed by a huge and largely useless instrument panel. Shields are the only gauge you need to pay attention to most of the time. Laser gate isn't so much bad, but bland. E-Magic, or I-Magic, was capable of much better. C-. minus. Alright, well, after the break, we are laser-focused on getting gated. Today we're playing Laser Gates, two great space things that space together, or something. It's very colorful, there's a lot going on on the screen, you haven't even started the game yet. Uh, you got your score, you got your energy, shields, D-time, stuff all over, flying all over the screen. Uh, moves really fast, so we'll see how this goes, talking and playing all at once. Here we go. The uh, energy fields there remind me of... Oh, what is it? Yard's Revenge? It's not quite the same thing, but that's what I'm thinking of. I think there's another game that has these kind of energy field things too. Uh, but I'm blanking at the moment. Uh, hey, I actually shot that green thing. I had a lot of trouble with the green things when I was practicing. Um, of course, the little, my blue ship is the Dante Flyer thing. I uh, can't touch the top or bottom. Ah, I ran out of energy, I guess. Man. Game moves really fast. Oh, shields are down. And I'm dead. Try that one more time. bad at timing going through these uh, force fields. Basically I'm just really bad at this game, bottom line. 
Uh, but I like the look. Uh, everything looks like what it's supposed to be. I like those little radar shield things. I don't know what that green thing's supposed to be, but I like it. Ah! Dang it. Uh, 1700 points. That's pretty typical, typical for me this morning. That's how it goes sometimes. Back to you in the studio. Hey Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Card by Card podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer to the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned devilish breakfast food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about laser gates. Maybe it's just because I haven't played the game enough to get bored with it yet, or even get good at it, but I kind of like this game. It looks good, it sounds good, it's fun to look at. I said that already, because it is. The instrument panel, yeah, it's kind of useless. I really didn't look at it much at all during the game, and I don't know what good it would do you to look at it. I don't think it would change anything as far as how you're playing, and it does take up a lot of the screen. That said, the claustrophobic play area kind of adds to the challenge i think if you had a much wider area there'd be a lot less risk of you running into something as it is that is a huge factor in the game running into things so i kind of like that i'm going to keep playing uh maybe i'll get bored with it eventually but i've got so many games that i don't have time i don't play any of them enough to get bored with them typically and i think this is one of those so i'm giving it I don't give grades on the show, but if I did, I was giving it a good. I would give it a good grade. If you have thoughts about laser gates, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. All right, buckle up, kids. This one is a little odd. I would just remind you that there was a line in the story that eMagic, iMagic, wrote for us that said, the cryptic computer, dot, 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 five centuries since the wars on Zevon. So just keep that in mind. Not that the story has anything to do with the cryptic computer or wars on Zevon or, you know what, just listen. Um, This week's story actually comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner, and it is titled, If Warren Zevon's a Robot. If Warren Zevon's a robot, 
excitable boy in tin shape. Those werewolves behind laser gates. Zevon Levin hurt us a lot. Robot batteries never stop. Lawyers, guns, money. Humankind. Lasers blast evil robot flies. Sure, they say Roland is headless, but Robot Warren is cordless. Reprogram dirty life and times. If Warren Zevon's a robot, all mechanical through and through, if we wire up, we could be too. Stupid, of course. You know you got to live life unplugged, circuits hot, with joy, not copper, and a switch, and enjoying every sandwich. Robot Warren intones, please stay. But humans, they don't work that way. Robots don't feel the endless itch. Inspired we are, if Warren Zevon's a robot. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance in take a chance in pinball spring thanks to sean courtney for the story time theme aim your laser at the gates of apple podcasts and leave a five-star review of this show email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com like the show on our facebook page follow the show on twitter at ataribytes or follow me personally at carnival of glee look us up on instagram too you never know i might actually put something up there and don't forget you still have the option to leave us a voicemail call us at 563-265-1978 uh, and I'll never, ever answer the phone. But do leave us a voicemail about pretty much anything you want, and I'll probably play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, for information and links to episodes and social media for this show, from my other show, uh, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, the monthly deep dive into all things in and around the Peanuts universe. There's information about other things that I've worked on, plays and podcasts and things, books that I've written, like Hell Serial, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, and links to just a few places you can order those books, all sorts of stuff over there, carnivalofgleecreations.com. Consider supporting the show by becoming a subscriber. If you're curious about the Patreon page, you can go look at my public video of my circus convoy, my, my virgin circus convoy experience over there, and then if you're so inclined, you can subscribe at one of the uh, levels, subscriber levels, and possibly get access to other material as well. So thanks in advance for doing that. Thanks in current to current patrons, these fine folks, Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jim Goble, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., and Jason Schiffman. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for periodically providing feedback. Keep doing it and uh, life will be wonderful. All right, we're just about out of here. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. Time Pilot is our game. I can only assume that putting the game on the screen will transport me into different periods throughout history. So uh, if you see see me as a kid and you're an adult now, uh, send me an email. Tell me what it was like. But not until after 
next week's episode because you don't want to mess with the time stream. That's how time travel works. We'll get into that some more next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.